Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. You know, a single word can change everything. A single word can change everything. When a woman says yes to a marriage proposal, it changes everything. Amen, fellas? Right? When a umpire on the ball field says fair or maybe foul, it can change everything. When a wife looks at her husband and says the one word, pregnant, it definitely changes everything. When a doctor looks at someone and says the word cancer, it can change everything. When a judge says the one word guilty, it changes everything. Or maybe when a close friend says the word goodbye, it can change everything. One single word can carry so much power and change everything. But there's never been a single word in history that has changed everything like the word that Jesus said in John chapter 19. That's where we're going to be this morning. And so if you have a digital or hard copy of Scripture, we'd love for you um, to open up to John chapter 19. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, um, we'll put some verses on the screen behind me for you to follow along with where we're going to be um, in God's word this morning. In John chapter 19, we see the scene of a place called Golgotha where criminals went to die. But on this day, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, would hang on a cross and breathe his final breaths. And John 19 grabs a snapshot of that moment. I want us to see that together. John 19, pick up with me in verse 28, and here's what Scripture says. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty, and a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. As Jesus hung on the cross, Scripture records him saying seven different phrases. The final phrase we just read in verse 30 It is finished. And then Jesus breathed his last breath. But why did he say it is finished? What does that even mean? And what does it mean for you and me today as we celebrate Easter 2019? You see, the original Greek word for the word finished is the Greek word tetelestai. Say that with me. Tetelestai. Good. If you didn't learn anything else at Easter, tell them all you learned Greek, okay? The, The original Greek word teleo declares the completion of a task. Other gospel accounts say that Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Tetelestai, it is finished. And although Jesus spoke this word and then breathed his last breath, Jesus wasn't announcing that he was about to die. Jesus wasn't announcing that he was finished or that he was defeated. No, you see, Jesus was declaring something so much greater. Jesus was speaking in advance that he had fulfilled Everything that God the Father had intended for him to do. You see, God the Father sent Jesus the Son to earth for one mission, and that was to seek and save that which was lost, to bring hope and salvation to humanity, to you and me. We can rewind back two chapters to John 17, and we see this. John 17 verse 2 says, For you granted him, Jesus, authority over all people, that he might have eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And then verse 4, Jesus says to God, he says, I've brought you glory, God, on earth by 
finishing the work that you gave me to do. Jesus had finished to telestai the work that he had been given to accomplish. You see, Jesus wasn't the only one to speak this word, to telestai, in this day or in this context. You could hear it in many different places. Sometimes an artist would speak this word, to telestai, when he had completed a work of art, to say that the, the painting is finished, the art is done, and the picture is perfect, to telestai. Another person might have said that would be a priest. A priest could have declared to telestai because in this day, people had to make a sacrifice of an unblemished animal um, as a sacrifice offering to God on behalf of their sins. And when a priest saw an acceptable offering, he would have shouted and announced to telestai. A merchant or a business owner could have, could have said to telestai as well. See, when a, a debt was paid in full, he would have stamped it and marked it paid in full and spoken to telestai, it is covered. Or you also could have heard that from a soldier who'd been to war. See, a soldier who'd been to war might have shouted to telestai because the war would have been over, the, the enemy was defeated, and the victory was won. To telestai means that it is completed in full. And Jesus, hanging on a cross, announced it is finished. To Telestai, knowing that he had carried out the plans of God the Father to take on the sin of humanity. And so Jesus breathed his last breath with full confidence, knowing that he had com completed the work that God had given him to do. However, we know that the story didn't end there. You see, Jesus' body was taken from a cross and placed in a tomb for three days. But after the third day, Jesus walked out and he overcame sin and death, and hell, and the grave, and he is risen, completed the work of it is finished. But again, what does that mean for, for you and me? Words spoken on a cross, an empty tomb 2,000 years ago, how does that affect our lives today? What I want us to do today is I want us to look at what does it look like to live in the hope? What does it look like to live in the aftermath of it is finished? What does the word finished mean for your life today? If you're taking notes, the first truth that I want us to see today is that finished means God keeps his promises. Finished means that our God keeps his promises. You see, the narrative of scripture shows us that for hundreds of years, God's people, the Israelites, they were waiting for a savior. They were longing for a rescuer. They were under great oppression. There was slavery, and they were longing for someone to come and pull them out, for someone to rescue them. And in the Old Testament, we see that God would send these men called prophets, and they would declare on God's behalf that a rescuer is coming. God will deliver. He will send a Savior for you. But think about this. They waited for hundreds of years. For generations they waited. And I just have to think, man, they, they had to begin to, to lose hope. They had to have begun to doubt a little bit. They had to begin to think, well, may, maybe this is just all a lie. Like there is no one coming. And they had to think maybe the prophets were a little bit crazy and clearly God's not going to keep his promise. But then, then a newborn baby cried one night in a manger in Bethlehem and God had taken on flesh in the form of a baby that had come to earth and God the father became Jesus the son to us but scripture tells us that he wasn't just a baby in a manger to give us Christmas but he became a savior on a cross who would also go to the tomb 
And God had kept his promise and the Savior, the rescuer, was here. And when Jesus spoke his final words on the cross, he was fulfilling prophecies that were hundreds of years old. And he was declaring at the top of his lungs that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. See, the reality is we've, we've all had people in our lives who have broken promises to us. Maybe it's an ex-spouse. Maybe it's parents, your own kids, a boss. Maybe it's an old best friend. Season, it seems that promise breaking today is almost as normal in our culture as breathing. And maybe many of you today have been burned so many times that you vow, I'm never trusting again. But I'm telling you today that Jesus' final words on the cross means that our God always keeps his promises. To Jesus' life as a whole, it's a testimony to the fact that God keeps his promises. Look at this. In Micah chapter 5 in the Old Testament, God promised that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. In Matthew 2, God kept his promise. In Isaiah 7, God promised his son would be born to a virgin. And in Luke 2, God keeps his promise. In Zechariah 9, God promised that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem triumphantly on the way to his death. And in Luke 19, God keeps his promise. In Psalm 41, God promised his son would be betrayed by one of his own followers. And in Matthew 26, God's promise becomes true. In Zechariah 12, God promised the Savior would die by crucifixion with pierced hands and feet. And in John 19, God's promise is true again. In Psalm 30, God promised the Savior would rise from death. And in Matthew 28, God keeps his promise down to the last detail. Finished means that God keeps his promise. So let me ask you this question this morning. Why would we not trust our lives to a God who always keeps his promises? See, finished today means that we have a God who keeps his promises. Second thing that finished means for us is that finished means that you don't have to be good enough. Finished means that you don't have to be good enough. You know, the reality is that so many people enter into Easter weekend, especially thinking that maybe if I could do enough good or cut out enough of the bad, maybe God would, would love me more or maybe he would accept me or look favorably on my life because the rest of life hadn't really been that favorable. And we think things like, well, maybe if I could just stop saying as many four-letter words, right, kind of clean up my language, then surely God would, would like me a little bit more. Or, or what, maybe if I could just make it to church some more. I mean, we made it to Easter Sunday, but like, what if we could do two months in a row? Like, clearly God would, would, would like me a little bit more. Or if I could just drop that bad habit that I got, or, or maybe help some more people, then maybe God would, would accept me more. You see, if religion made you good enough, growing up, I would have probably gotten some kind of gold medal. My dad has always been on church, a church staff for all of my life. So like I literally just grew up in the church. My, my parents say that I've been going to church since nine months before I was born. Okay, like I made the Easter pre-birth. I was there for that. I knew everybody at church. Everybody knew me. Like I knew where all the good hiding spots were for hide and go seek in the church. So everybody wanted to play with me because like I'm gone for hours. They're like, I think he left. No, he's just still hiding. Nobody knows. I knew where the candy stash was in the kids' department, right, in case I got to give me a couple pieces, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I was the class favorite in all the Sunday school classes because I knew all the right answers, and all the teachers knew me, and they knew my parents, and I knew how to say all the right things. And I was thinking this week, like, I even 
in elementary school, I was in the church children's choir. Anybody willing to testify this morning that you've been in a church children's choir at some point? Come on, you've been in a cantata or a program at some point. You probably sang, you had the Easter part, right? And I was thinking, when I was in fifth grade, um, I was in the church children's choir because that was what the good church kid did. And, and we did a musical. Like, we didn't make the Sunday morning slot, but we was on Sunday night because you couldn't make the Sunday morning. We made the Sunday night. But Mamma and Papa and everybody came and we had the big old like video cameras not the phone there were no iPhone it was like the VHS okay they carried it in like this we're gonna we gonna get y'all we see grand boy up there and so we did a musical called Hans Bronson and, and it was about this Olympic athlete named Hans Bronson he was a star athlete he was full of himself and of course in the musical um, he comes to know Jesus which is a really good thing but I'm saying in fifth grade guess who got the star role as Hans Bronson your boy okay <laughs> I was it. I landed the main role, Hans Bronson. And so I'm supposed to look like this Olympic athlete, of which I was not. And so my mom thought it would be a great idea to make me look like an Olympic athlete by putting me in these fluorescent, like, red and blue wind pants. Shout out to the 1990s and wind suits. Don't ever come back, okay? But I, that's what I'm rocking with my American flag shirt, of course, tucked in. And I was supposed to look really muscular because, right, Olympic athletes are really muscular. Well, your boy in fifth grade was like throwing up 37 pounds on the bench press, so that wasn't happening. So true story, they put shoulder pads underneath my t-shirt to make me look all swole up on the stage. So I'm up there like, what? I'm Hans, okay? And because I love you so much, and my mama loves me a lot. We did some work for you this week, and this is what we found. Show it to them. Oh, come on. Come on with that. 1992 called, and they want their hair back. All right, get it down quick. Take it down quick for people, people pulling out their cell phones, trying to take a picture of that. But here's the thing. It got better. Okay, it got better because in the musical, they sang a song about how brawny and strong Hans Bronson was. And I'm over there going like, yeah, you are. Okay. And in the, in the script, in the music, okay, the girls, when they sang that part, they all had to go, ah. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Okay. And here's what I'm saying. In fifth grade, okay, in fifth grade, I was living up that church children's choir life to the highest level. I was the man. Now, many years later, looking back, I was not the dude, okay? I, I was not the man. As I look at pictures this week, I'm going, Mom, Dad, really? Like, really? You let me do this. We're probably going to do counseling this week because I've seen that I experienced that in my life. But here's what I'm saying. Growing up in church, I was so close to the things of God that it was really easy to believe that somehow those things could get me in with God. And growing up, it was so easy to believe if I could just cut out enough of the bad do enough for the good, measure that thing out, then maybe God would accept me somehow. And what I'm saying to you is that Jesus' final words on the cross mean that you don't have to be good enough. In fact, you can't be, even if you try. See, here's what Paul says in the New Testament. Romans chapter 3, he says, For everyone, that's all of us, has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, He freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Look at this. People are made right with God 
when they believed that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Scripture says we are all born at our core nature sinful. You ever taken a two-year-old to Walmart? You know that's true. We do what we want and not what God wants for us. Therefore, we are incapable of making ourselves good, even on our best day with our best efforts. But God, because he is so good and he is so loving, he saw that inability to make ourselves good. And the good news is that he gave Jesus to make us acceptable, to make us lovable, to make us worthy of his love and his grace. And it's through that that we're made right with God. And Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. He says, God saved, he saves you by his grace when you believe. And look at this, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Scripture says it doesn't matter how deep and wide your spiritual resume is. It doesn't matter how many church services you've attended, how many straight Easter's you and Mama Nim done made it to with all your dresses on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many verses you've memorized or youth camps you made it to or what mom and dad did for the church when you grew up. On our best day, we cannot make ourselves good enough. And the good news today is we don't have to be because Jesus has been good enough for us. And it's not our good works, but it's Jesus' good grace that makes us acceptable to God. And that's good news this morning because it means there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And that's really good news for the sinner and for the saint. For the religious and for the rebellious. For the church kid and for the criminal. See, finished, finished means that you don't have to be good enough. Finished also means that you matter. Finished means that your life matters. According to a study done last month, 16.2 million Americans suffer from depression. According to another study released last December, three in four, three in four Americans suffer from loneliness. Feelings of loneliness, and depression and low self-worth dominate so many people's minds and lives every single day. Think about it. Through the digital age, we're more connected than ever before, yet more lonely than ever before. And things like social media every single day cause us to play the comparison game. We stack up the chaos of our life, and then we scroll the highlight of everybody else's life. And it leaves us feeling empty and worthless. There's so many people who live life wondering, does my life even really matter? And I would dare say that there are people on Easter Sunday who are wondering that same thing. Maybe, no, you would never say it out loud, but behind the everything's fine mask that you wear is this deep wondering, does my life really matter? I mean, is, is it worth it to keep going? Does anybody even notice? And I'm telling you today that Scripture says that God says your life matters. And it carries great worth to Him. Look at what Scripture says in Psalm 139, verse 16. It says that you 
God, you saw me before I was born, and then you scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. God created you today, daughter. God created you today, son, because you mattered to him. And then he says this in Colossians 1.16 in the message. He says, for everything, absolutely everything, that's all of us, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him, and check this, and finds its purpose in him. In other words, God gave you a purpose. Like he created you on purpose, with a purpose. There may be accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. And God created you on purpose, with a purpose, to be found in him. And then Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians 7, 23. He says, God paid a high price for you. High price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. Church, God paid the highest price possible for your life. He gave the greatest thing that he could give. Why? Because you mattered to him. Finished means that your life matters. There's a final truth this morning, and that is this, that finished means you don't have to live defeated by your past. Finished means that you don't have to live defeated by your past. So many people live under the weight of their past. Past decisions, past mistakes, failures. And maybe today, maybe you find yourself in that same place. You can't seem to escape that marriage that failed. You can't shake that shame of that season of rebellion that you lived in. Or is that decision that you made in in high school or college or young adulthood, it just seems to define your life now and it comes up every day or every week of your life. Or maybe it's that you're constantly plagued by by that addiction that you couldn't seem to shake or that abortion that you went through with. See, you find yourself in this constant struggle because you you defined yourself and you're defeated by the past. But the good news today is that Jesus' words, it is finished, means in Christ, in him, you no longer have to live defeated by the past. Listen to what Psalm 103 says about the character of our God. Look at verse 8. It says, the Lord, he is compassionate and he is merciful. He is slow to angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. That's grace. Verse 11, for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the heights of the heavens above the earth. And verse 12, He is removed. He can remove your sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Church, that's great news today that we have a God who is not quick to angry, but he is quick to love. And he does not give us what we deserve, but he gives us the grace that we don't deserve. Today, here's what that means, that in a relationship with Jesus for you, there is freedom from being defeated by your past. And Paul would say it this way in Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free 
from the law of sin and death. This means when you begin to find your life's purpose as a son, as a husband, as a mom, as a grandmother, when you find your life's purpose in a relationship with Jesus, you no longer have to live defeated by your past because Jesus has defeated your past for you. And when Jesus declared on the cross, it is finished, he included your past in that declaration. You see, as he hung on the cross, Jesus' words, it is finished, to telestai, changed everything. And while Jesus wasn't the only person in this day to speak those words, he was the only one who could speak them with eternal hope and eternal victory. Watch this. When Jesus announced to Telestai, he was the artist who had painted a perfect picture of redemption to take sinners from messes to masterpieces. And he had kept his promise. Jesus, when he announced to Telestai, he was the priest who had said, there's one now final sacrifice to cover all sin for all of humanity, for all of time. And in that, he announced, you don't have to be good enough. Jesus, when he announced to Telestai, he was the merchant who had stamped your sin debt, paid in full. And with that, he said, you mattered at the highest price. And Jesus was the soldier. Jesus was the soldier who announced to Telestai, it is finished. The enemy is defeated. The war is over. And my opponent of sin and death and hell and the grave has been defeated. And in that, he defeated your past too. See, Jesus' final words on the cross weren't a declaration of defeat. They were the voice of a victor. And because Jesus' victory we not only have the hope of relationship with him, but now we can live a victorious life through him. See, finish today means that God keeps his promises and you can trust him. Finish today means that your life matters and God paid for it with the highest price possible. Finish today means that you, you don't have to be good enough and you can't, but Jesus alone will make you right with God. And finish today means that you don't have to live defeated by your past because Jesus has defeated it for you. One word, one word, finished, has changed everything. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.